Hi, it's Kay here for the Handy Essentials for Hand Nurses podcast. Welcome to episode number four. Today we're going to be talking about um, slabs, casts and splints. Today with me as always is Dr. Nav. Hi. And we've got a very special guest with us. We've got um, Sarah, who's one of our hand therapists here at Sydney Hospital. Hello, thanks for having me, Kay and Nav. So, um, Sarah, today we're just going to be talking about everything to do with pops, slabs, casts, splints, and what we need to know, what nurses need to know when they're reading operating reports or um, emergency notes, and, and what terminology and things like that. So, okay. you know, we're just going to go through things. So, like, why do we use them? So, there's a couple of reasons why I use casts, uh, plaster of Paris, slabs, or splints. Um, the main reason is probably if you're in an acute hospital setting is for protecting injuries. So that could be fractures, it could be post-op um, tendon repairs or nerve repairs. Um, it could also be though for resting. So if you have patients who are admitted with infection, you can rest them in what we try to um, put them in as an optimal position to protect future complications. So they're probably the main ones, yeah. And so that goes to my question, Sarah. What, what is the difference between a, a slab, a cast and a splint? So I think um, it's important to sort of be aware that um, regionally in different hospitals and we'll always sort of use terms interchangeably and differently. But for the purpose of at this hospital here, we would sort of use plaster of Paris slabs, which would sort of refer to either having um, plaster of Paris on the front, back, side or both um, with a split down the side. Um, and some people call these half casts. Half casts right? or back slabs are other sort of terms that you might hear. And they're usually used in the sort of in, in emergency departments or um, um, post-operatively or even sometimes if people have a lot of ongoing swelling that persists or wounds that are persisting, it's an easier way to manage them because they're easy to take off. And is that to allow for swelling? Yeah. You so, would use it for that? Yeah, so you, when you're putting on plaster of Paris, if you're even if you're doing it on your volar and dorsal, the front and back of your hand, you want to allow space on each side just to allow for swelling changes. Um, also, if the swelling goes down, you can tighten a bandage so it's still sort of fitting nicely. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So term, that, that's yeah. a slab? That's a slab. So we'd call that a pop slab or a plaster of Paris slab. Yeah. Um, cast. So we would, if we use the term cast, it usually would refer to a circumferential cast. So um, a synthetic material, also often called um, fiberglass cast. You might hear that as well. And then or plaster of Paris. Or pla Oh yes. Yeah, or or you can use it as plaster of Paris. It's not as commonly used for circumferential, but still definitely. Um, yeah. It, historically, it was used a lot more. Um, so they tend to be used when swelling is down, um, when wounds are healed, and they're the sort of put on people that you want to make sure that they're kept immobilised and still and static. Yeah. Okay. And then the third group, splints? And the third group is splints. So uh, splints or uh, thermoplastic splint or orthosis are sort of common terms that you might hear used there. And they tend to be, um, funnily enough, made out of thermoplastic. <laughs> and um, they're sort of used more for people who you want to um, facilitate motion. So they're usually removable, they can take them off um, and they can uh, move in a safe way. Yeah. And usually they're customised to the patient. Yep. So the process of um, thermoplastic splinting is that you take a piece of plastic, um, cut to size, you put it in some warm, usually in warm water, there's other ways that you can do it. Um, the plastic will soften and you mould it directly onto the patient. Yeah. For thermo heat, so plastic, th exactly. and you're moulding. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's remouldable. So often um, it's, a, it's quite um, 
good from a point of view that you can remold the splint if it's uncomfortable or if there's swelling changes as well. So it can be used throughout the course of their treatment. Okay, so you can use those materials for any type of injury. You don't have to stick to a particular um, material like a plaster of Paris or synthetic or thermoplastic. You can use different ones yes. for the same injuries. Yes, you can. Okay. Yep. Cool. And so when would you choose one of the three groups? Like what are the factors that would contribute your decision yeah. making? So I think, um, talk about from a nursing point of view, mm -hmm. more than a hand therapy point of view. So in an emergency department, that's usually your first port of call because they're coming to you acutely and they're going to have swelling changes and you want to minimise that pressure or that sort of compartment risk of compartment syndrome um, and the same post-operatively as well. Um, so they're usually in the acute, acute settings um, in so those two settings. In just going on to the hand therapy side of things, we would still put them in plaster um, if just... A slab, you mean? Plaster of Paris slab, yep, yep. Uh, plaster, uh, yep. We would put them into that if someone had come into clinic post-operatively, they may have already been in plaster. Um, the plan might be for them to eventually go into a circumferential cast or fiberglass cast, but because they've got um, ongoing wounds or significant edema, we keep them in plaster of Paris or slabs um, until we're satisfied that they're appropriate to go into a full cast. Um, so generally, uh, initially, you would use a slab, um, initially in the emergency department or initial post-op care, yeah. until the wound is healed and you're satisfied with swelling, and then they'd either go into a cast, full cast, or a splint, is yes. that correct? Yes, yeah. Um, and the things that would affect your decision-making would be the swelling, the wound, uh, the structures injured and the need for static immobilization or the need for motion yes yeah yeah i think um probably sorry <coughs> in most cases acutely they'll be in plaster of paris because that's the um sort of emergency sort of first port of call and then depending on um, the injury the patient factors um, the risks of um, the injury like whether it's stable or unstable that sort of thing then they'll either go into a full cast or a splint generally speaking yeah, yeah okay Sometimes you, you read in operation reports a, a posi splint has been put on or a yep. posi cast. What, what does that mean? So a posi um, is short for position of safe immobilisation and that's a very common uh, plaster or slab um, or position. Um, you can, a posi is sort of interchangeable. So it could be for a full cast, it could be for a plaster of Paris or it could be a splint. So posi refers to the position that the patient's being put into. And that's generally with the wrist in um, slightly, neutral to slightly, slightly extended position. The MPs, the, so the metacarpal joints um, in about 70 degrees of flexion and the IP joints are in zero or neutral position. And that's done because it creates um, a good position for the soft tissues. It keeps a lot of the soft tissues at length or as much length as possible. And the reason that's important is because it um, prevents them shortening up and prevents long-term stiffness. So um, it's an optimal position for reducing um, some complications down the line, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you use those kind of when you rest in and you things can, like that? Or? Yeah, for resting um, is probably one of the main ones, but also you could use it for some of your tendons as well. So um, for example, if you had a um, flexor tendon repair, you would sort of put them in a posi position, but you would put the plaster or the plastic on the back of the hand as opposed to the front of the hand. Um, but so posi is more descriptive of the position of the hand exactly. as opposed to the plaster. Yeah. So if you're hearing okay. the word posi, you might want to clarify um, whether they want uh, 
it on the volar or dorsal aspect of the hand. You might want to clarify what material they want it to be out of. Is that just a plaster of Paris? Is that a thermoplastic splint? Um, so they're the other questions that you might want to add when someone asks for a posi, just to clarify exactly what they're after. Yeah. But it would be the most common resting position of the hand it after would be. an injury or surgery. Yeah, it would be the most common, and it's also probably all-encompassing. So posi will probably it might not it might it's appropriate for nearly everything. And so while that might immobilise more than is needed, it's going to keep most things safe. So sort of if in doubt, a posi is not a bad way to go in most cases, not all cases. Yeah. yeah. So another term you sometimes hear is hand-based or finger-based yeah. or forearm-based. I guess that's just kind of meaning what part of the anatomy you put in the orthosis on. The Exactly. So uh, finger-based obviously would indicate that you're just going to um, immobilise or splint or cast the finger. So that usually means that the IP joints are included, the MCP joint is free. Um, Hand-based will sort of uh, suggest that then you would allow the wrist to be free and then forearm-based would suggest that you're keeping the wrist included in the splint. So um, yeah. Okay. And I guess something else that we need to think about is, say if we're protecting fractures and things like that, when you're actually applying, do you, can you just, is there a, can you just put the, the splint on or the, yeah. the, the pop slab on that you don't have to think about anything in particular? Or is there things you have to take into consideration? Yeah, there's general principles that are good to sort of keep in mind when you're sort of um, putting a plaster on or a splint or a cast on a fracture, the general principle is immobilise the joint above and below and that's just going to allow um, adequate support and stability for the fracture to prevent it from moving or changing position. Um, there's always exceptions to the rule but I think you know in a setting where you're trying to decide uh, or you're not quite sure by taking those principles on board then you'll probably um, keep the patient safe. Yeah. Yeah okay and I guess there's two particular types of um, splints or um, casts that we hear, think about it and like dorsal blocking and um, extensor um, extension splints and things like that yep. for, um, are they for tendon injuries? So um, again, like those sort of descriptors like dorsal blocking, um, volar dorsal splints, they sort of describe, sometimes they describe what the splint's doing. So a dorsal blocking splint, it could be a finger splint, it could be a forearm based splint, but what that splint is actually doing is trying to prevent the patient from uh, extending or straightening their fingers. They're blocking the extension, uh, so it's pretty literal dorsal blocking splint. It's blocking that motion to keep the patient safe. Um, what was the other one you said? Uh, like for if you're keeping fingers in extension, like the whole, yeah. not quite a posi, but more an extension. Um, so uh, if you were keeping, so uh, I guess if we just talk about tendons and we talk yeah. about flexor tendons and extensor tendons, um, the flexor tendons are obviously on the palmar aspect, those injuries on the palmar aspect of the hand, and you want to avoid uh, rupturing uh, or, or undoing the repair. So you're trying to block extension because if you block extension, the patient would be able to put enough tension on the repair or the tendon to um, make it worse. So it's a block. I don't, does that make sense? Yeah. So you're putting it on so the back. You're putting so it on the back to yeah to prevent them from moving into an unsafe position or putting undue stress on the tendon. Yeah. Um, we don't often refer to flexor blocking splints, but essentially, I guess if you have an extensor injury, you're trying to block flexion, and those splint position is a bit different to the posi which we talked about. You could use yeah. for a flexor tendon repair. You you want to prevent um, full flexion, and there's lots of different. Um, positions in the literature that you can use. What we tend to use here is 
a position of 30 degrees of wrist extension, um, the MP is around 30 degrees and the IP is neutral. And that should be a, a good position to protect uh, the extensor tendon repairs. So there you don't want the um, you don't want them to flex? Yeah, so yeah, basically yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I guess like once you've got the, the, the pop slab on or the cast or the, the spin, I guess like from um, a patient education or um, a nursing, if a patient's complaining of say burning or issues underneath or like yeah. you know you hear people say they shove a knitting needle yeah. down to like yes. scratch a knit and things like that yeah. I guess that's not kind of recommended. Yeah. So that, that comes to the question what are plastic care instructions? So um, they're uh, with a splint like oh sorry with a plaster of Paris or a cast um, they're pretty similar so I guess the main thing um, the most important thing with these injuries is that or uh, these casts is that you want to make sure that um, there's not too much pressure. So if people are reporting uh, increased pain, pins and needles, uh, tightness, you really just want to make sure that they're elevating their hands and that's usually above the level of their heart or fingers above their elbow to help gravity bring the, bring the edema down. And that's usually the main cause of cast tightness or discomfort. Um, the other thing you want people to do is to move all the joints that are not involved in the cast. So if they have um, a wrist cast on where the fingers and the thumb are free, you want to get them moving their fingers and their thumb. And that's because you don't want them to get stiff unnecessarily, but also um, moving the fingers will help to sort of pump out some of that edema that's sitting in the hand um, and sort of help to bring that down, um, which is important. Um, the other things um, Just that... keeping it clean and dry. Keeping clean and dry, of it, yep, so they're not waterproof. There are waterproof circumferential casts that mm. are available and they, they can get wet, but yeah, plaster of Paris or non-waterproof circumferential, keep them dry. Um, we don't recommend people sticking things down there to scratch, particularly if they're post-op. I mean, n never, but um, if you've got wounds, um, there's an increased risk of doing damage to your, um, your um, wounds, which is yeah. um, increased risk of infection and all that sort of thing. Um, the other thing that's a bit unique to the circumferential cast we always uh, warn people about is flying. So um, every airline will... Um, have different rules about whether you're able to board with a circumferential cast on. So it's always a good question to sort of screen when you're putting it on. It might not mean that you don't put it on. It might mean that you get them back before and you buy a velvet. You might encourage them to follow up with the airline. If it's short distances, sometimes it's okay. If it's long haul, sometimes it's not. So that's a really important one for your circumferential cast. You just said a word there, bi valve. Bi -valve. What does that mean? So if you've got a circumferential cast on, um, what you can do is you can use the cast saw to um, cut down two sides of the cast and that just allows, so the risk I guess if you're flying is that when you go up in the air, um, gases expand and you swell up. If you have a circumferential cast on, that can be a medical emergency if you're in the air and you're on a fairly long haul flight. So. Um, to negate that sort of risk, you can bivalve the cast. So sort of like when we talk about the plaster of Paris having on the front and the back, yep. there's room to expand and it just decreases the risk of having a medical emergency in the air. And it doesn't affect the integrity of that so cast? It does, obviously, because the cast isn't intact as it was, but what we would do is, um, for the case of the flight, you might tape it on just to sort of reinforce it a little bit and so that can be removed midair. Um, but I guess you just, it's just all about weighing up the risks in terms of, um, you know, you, you want to protect the fracture, but having an, a medical emergency midair where you've got a cast that's too tight and cutting off your circulation probably would outweigh that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that follows nicely onto the troubleshooting. Mm. Um, what are some of the things you might get called about and what do you do about them? 
in terms so um, yeah so I guess um, some of them we've already mentioned so like a cast being too tight equally they can be too loose as well and that can be really uncomfortable for the patient and also increase the risk of um, the injury not being managed appropriately because they haven't got appropriate support. Um, the other thing um, is um, bony prominences can often rub on casts, plaster of Paris or splints, so that's something you really want to manage um, with all your patients, but particularly with those who are at risk, so um, the elderly, people who have diabetes that are, you know, getting a, a pressure injury can be a really big issue for them. And I guess if they're loose as well with that, that, it can that, that friction kind yeah. of, if, it's, if it is too loose, you can have the same thing. Exactly. And so on the flip side, you can have too much padding in a flexion crease and that can cause a pressure area. So yep. principle would be debulk the flexion creases and really pad the bony prominences. Exactly. And just trying to keep everything really smooth and neat because, yeah, in, you'd be surprised. Like in people who are more vulnerable and um, their skin integrity not quite so good. Um, it doesn't take a lot to create a skin injury in those patients. Um, and so, so on the topic of swelling, yeah. um, what would you recommend for a plaster of Paris if it's uh, if it's really swollen? If like this, it's too tight. You mean? Um, so the first step is to tell the patient to elevate their arm above their heart, and you know, hopefully they get some resolution in symptoms pretty quickly. Um, we don't encourage slings a lot but that's an option if like they're walking out and about we might tell them they could use that um, on an on and off basis but really educate them about prevention of stiffness of the elbow and the shoulder um, if those symptoms don't resolve in sort of you know 10 20 minutes um, it's definitely reasonable to encourage them to go to an emergency department um, if it's in business hours here I didn't say they could give me a call as well but outside of that um, and bailing all that to go to emergency and get it checked yeah and what would happen in the emergency department? So the emergency department would just check one if the cast is fitting um, and if it wasn't fitting they could take it off and then put on an appropriate cast for them. So I guess the reason you wouldn't want them taking it off themselves is because they're not going to necessarily be able to then have something on to protect the injury or the surgery that they've had done. So doing an emergency department is... And certainly that. if they've got inpatients in the ward I think it is reasonable splitting dressings Yes. Um, down to skin um, to prevent circumferential immobilization of a crepe bandage or a tight cast um, or a slab. Mm -hmm. um, I think when it comes to removing the plaster I think that's probably worth escalating before um, that's done um, to you know, the hand rage or the orthopedic rage because uh, mm -hmm. certainly it might have been a specific repair or specific yep. structure that's being protected. Yeah yeah certainly if they're on site it's a bit more um, straightforward to get them to the right people yeah. And yeah. and you said now that you split down to skin and the whole length of the, the usually a pop slab yeah, and not right. just a little half a part yeah that's right split like down to skin the whole length yeah um, still leave it on but just allow for that space for it to expand um, and usually if it is a tight plaster they'll get fairly immediate relief mm. and then you can get a second crepe bandage and rewrap it not as tight yeah great so to wrap up and um, thanks Sarah basically there's three types of terminology a pop slab a cast which is usually a circumferential cast and a splint and any material could be used for those but a pop a slab is usually made out of plaster paris yes yeah um and that could be called a back slab or yeah um, a half cast or things like yeah. that perfect and really they're put on for um to keep things immobile safe pre-injury uh, pre-surgery like from a new injury yes yeah. and um, to help with swelling um, and so you're not actually damaging 
the the injury further or the surgical repairs yeah so yeah you're trying to protect you could be protecting something that's post-op or you could be trying to um, make sure that someone who's pre-op isn't going to um, damage or create more damage that makes that surgery a little bit more difficult so yeah yeah lovely yeah um, and there is certainly a lot of um, terminology there which I think we have um, we've touched on and that's really helpful I think because it gets a little bit confusing but a lot of the terminology that we read is about the positioning and not necessarily related to the particular type of um, material that you use in a cast splint. It's a position of the actual hand, wrist and forearm. Yes, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. And then um, troubleshooting, not to put anything inside the scratch. And if patients are complaining of pain, numbness, tingling, um, to encourage them to elevate for at least 10 to 20 minutes before um, and th they, they help, kind of rush off to yeah. get help. And if they're in hospital, obviously to call. And if the if it doesn't resolve with elevation, to certainly to cut down yeah. skin, the whole length of the, the plaster. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there is risk of obviously pressure injuries. So if people are concerned with loose slabs or pain over bony promises, that's when we, we need to escalate. Yes, okay. yeah. Perfect, lovely. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah. We might invite you again to talk about another topic later in the year. Sounds good. Okay, everybody, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.